世界で初めての完全立体映像ゲーム機バーチャルボーイマリオズテニスギャラクティックピンボールたすはい。Saw the Facebook posts and I was like, yeah, I've had long periods of not being a gamer. So it's interesting to hear other people going through the same thing and ways they tried to、uh, get over that slump, I guess. So yeah. So we've had、uh, an email in from、uh, community member Tom Phillip. Tom's actually、uh, an old friend of mine. We used to sit next to each other at my last job. And、uh, while away the hours in the office chatting shit about video games. And、uh, he's emailed in to say, I really enjoyed listening to what all of you guys have to say on multiple gaming topics, narratives, and titles old and new. And even though I'm not a huge fan of the world of Nintendo, exchange disgusted looks and profanities now, I always like to hear opinions on just what makes a game generally brilliant to play, no matter the console. And everyone always conveys their thoughts and feelings really well to the everyday gamer, so keep up the great work. Well, thanks very much for that, Tom. He goes on to say, I write to you from a very smoky living room amidst battling through the latest instalment of the Far Cry series. And although I've loved the Far Cry series so far, I feel a bit let down with this instalment. Firstly, in my opinion, Far Cry Primal is one of the first games since Battlefield 4 when I got an instant sniper headshot from the top of a hotel on an unsuspecting rib driver <laughs> that I felt extremely satisfied and skillful in bringing down an enemy, albeit an AI enemy. As、uh, much of a fan of the COD series as I am, Uh, Mark, you know, so I, I do know that he's a big fan of the COD series.、Uh, it has become extremely predictable, and to be honest, other than zombies, I rarely play COD online at all these days and started to lose interest in the genre. But Far Cry Primal has reinvigorated my love of genuinely ace FPS games since the days of Fallout 3, New Vegas, and、uh, Borderlands. And although this isn't a typical FPS in the sense of having a variety of guns and various pieces of current or futuristic tech at your disposal, just being a hunter with a club, bow, an arrow, and spears, along with various wildland concoctions. Concoctions is a breath of fresh air to me. Literal bare bones combat. Riding a mammoth into battle, slamming Udom or Oizilla hunters around like ragdolls, or setting your blood fanged saber toothed tiger, snowblood wolf, or great scar bear, etc., on unsuspecting hunting parties while they scream and flail amidst a, a, a swarm of killer bees and berserk bombs, all while safely tucked up on a cliff edge using your owl to watch the chaos unfold below, is just amazingly fun. Just as much fun as running in with a flaming spear atop a mammoth and causing utter bone crunching mayhem is. But there is a genuine sense of trepidation and real life panic just for a second when you run into a saber toothed tiger and you have one spear, two arrows, and no club, or you're hunted by a 
pack of wolves with no animal fat to light your club on fire and defend yourself, and you just can't seem to sprint away fast enough. It's really fun and immersive gameplay, and makes the natural environment and predatory hierarchy very much at the forefront of the world and brilliant to traverse through. A question I do have though, and unfortunately it does stem from graphically what I've seen on Far Cry Primal and unfortunately Fallout 4 so far, is that do you think it's acceptable to have textures and graphics in games that wouldn't look out of place on a PS3 or even PS2? Have you guys been disappointed with the look of some of the games released so far, finer details? We pay decent money for these games, and as they say, the devil's in the details, so why the facial graphics, character design, and environment in general in Far Cry Primal are what I'd expect, I don't find it acceptable when I see clip art looking textures, or as a herd of loggy mammoths roaming around. I feel a bit let down. Is it developer-related, time constraints, general laziness, or console capability? I don't believe the last option could be possible, with current titles like The Witcher 3, The Division, Bloodborne, and upcoming games like Uncharted 4 all looking so beautifully crafted. What do you guys reckon is the issue with uh, some of these games' graphical failings? I think Fallout 4, you can point to its... uh, The fact that you can pick up everything in the world and all that, they'll always use that as an excuse. Kind of how there's so many variables, it needs to be running constantly, the engine's constantly running, all those items being anywhere at once, Mm -hmm. and all the randomness that can occur. Personally, it's a bit of an excuse, really, because The Witcher, you can pick up a lot of items in that and stuff, but... That's the thing. It's like you can argue that um, Fallout is such a massive, expansive open world with so many yeah. moving parts that they can't devote quite so much, so quite so many resources to the the, the visuals of the game. Mm-hmm. But then when you compare it to something like The Witcher or Grand Theft Auto Five, that have also got these huge living open worlds with with um, maybe not quite as many, but plenty of moving parts, and they mm-hmm. both look stunning. I personally think that the Fallout problem is probably down to the fact that it's running on an engine which is largely unchanged since Oblivion, maybe even earlier than that. That's true, yeah. I suppose it comes down to, like you said, the engine. I mean, over Witcher 3, they had to do a new engine. I remember reading the article, they had to design a whole new engine for that for that game. But I suppose hmm. it also comes down to time constraints and budget. I mean, was um, the Far Cry Primal a high priority for the Ubisoft. It was a bit of a weird one, this, wasn't it? Because it wasn't... It's not like their regular mainline. It's not like uh, Far Cry 3 or Far Cry 4, where yeah. it's like the big, silly season release. It's felt a little bit more like Far Cry Blood Dragon, but they still released it at full price and, and shoved it out the door uh, at the beginning yeah. of the year. Not a huge amount of, you know, press and, and publicity beforehand. Um, it seems like a bit of an odd one. I don't know whether they put much time or resources mm. into it or not. But to be honest, there's been problems with um, on uh, well, Far Cry 3. That was running on, on Xbox 360, so you can kind of... That was old gen then. But Far Cry 4 has got plenty of graphical hitches and, and uh, yeah. texture problems and things like that. I don't know what they look like on PC. Mm. My PC is nowhere near good enough to run them, but we, the, the, the Xbox One and the, and the PS4 can only do so much. Yeah, I suppose what, like I said, what you're asking of the games themselves, other games seem to be like open world. Mm. Um, if you're looking at something a bit more linear, um, I mean, Uncharted 4 has just gone gold and we've seen it, it looks really stunning. Yeah. Um, it's not. They've got more of a tighter focus on the graphics. Yeah. Whereas, like you said about Fallout 4, it needs to do so many other things in the background. Mm-hmm. If you were to devote that much tech to the graphics, you are looking probably looking at a high-end PC of ranging into a couple of grand. Yeah. 
and I guess games like Uncharted 4 and, and Bloodborne as well have the mm. advantage of being on one console and one console only. So the yeah. developer can prior, can optimize it to work on that console. They don't have to worry about making it work on Xbox One and making it work on PC mm. as well. Oh, I was just going to say, I think to a degree, the time constraints and certainly the sort of budgets, um, even for the bigger studios, yeah. do come into effect. Because in reality, a lot of those bigger studios are churning out you know at least one sort of annual part of a franchise or whatever each year. Um, so they are so, you know, at any stage in that they probably have at least two development teams up and running at any mm. one time. Um, so so yeah, so I think there's definitely possibly spreading their resources maybe a little bit too thinly sometimes. And while you know they're hoping that they'll make an awful lot of money whenever the games finally release, mm. they're still sort of hedging their bets um, on how much they can actually pay the developers or how big the teams can actually be at any one time. Yeah, and I guess like even with something like um, the mainline Assassin's Creed games, where they've got the best part of a thousand people reportedly working on these games across various studios, even then, not so much graphically, um, they always seem to be reasonably well polished graphically, but then they run into problems, other sort of problems, um, with textures not appearing or characters falling through the floor, um, as was well documented with uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. So I think it might be a problem that's that's tied to annualized series of games where the, the, the publishers are pushing these studios to, to cram out a new one every single year. Which is another reason why I'm so glad that um, <clears throat> Assassin's Creed's taking a year off. I just wish some of the other franchises would do the same thing. <laughs> COD could definitely do with taking a year off to refresh. I think it's just related to everything, isn't it? I think you find, I mean, we've read reports this year that the developers publishers etc were quite surprised at this generation how quickly it's taken off they weren't quite ready we've got publishers not willing to push things back if they are you'll see games like the division you see games like the forthcoming mm. uncharted you know they get delays and like you said is it entirely focused on the piece um, ps4 or the xbox one you know we've always heard that the xbox one isn't as powerful so is there a problem there it it's just a mammoth mm. amount of things, isn't it? You know, look at Batman last year on the PC; like it was like yes. a turd. Yeah, you know, so a hot turd. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, even even just mentioning about um, games being delayed and what have you, you know, if a company actually mentions that they're delaying a game or whatever, they get completely derided by the uh, games media. So it's really not in their best interest to delay a game, even if it does need some polishing. Um, you know, it's it's a real you know. Do they release it unfinished or do they delay it and sort of get the wrath of the games media from that because it is delayed? I really don't agree with with the the, the attitude that the games media takes to, to games like that when they're on the whole there are there are people that will fully support a developer when they decide to delay a game because you know like, like we said last week and I think the week before as well echoing the mm. the, the sentiments of uh, Miyamoto about how a delayed game will eventually be good but a rushed game will always be bad. Um, it's always in the best interest of of gamers. Probably, maybe not in the interest of the the publishers themselves. If they've got a hit, that game's got to be out in time for their next financial calling or whatever. Um, but in terms, but for consumers, it's always best if a game is delayed so that when the final product comes Ooh. out, it's the best that it can be, and they can limit having to patch stuff in at a later date or putting in day one patches to fix bugs that shouldn't be there. With games like Fallout 4 though, 
Um, I just think it's a it's a case of with a game like that that's so expansive with so many moving parts with with so many things that you can do they just physically cannot play test it enough for it to come out without there being some mm-hmm. bugs and that's kind of become a bit accepted when it comes to Bethesda games everybody knows that like when a Bethesda, new Bethesda RPG comes out oh it's going to be full of bugs you know we'll deal with it and I can kind of see why they can't they can't fix all the problems before it goes out the door but at the same time um you'd expect a game like that considering what it's going up against in games like the witcher you'd expect games like that to look better and i know that fallout 4 did get patched a while ago i haven't played it since then but apparently it got patched to up the visuals on console to be closer to what they are on pc i don't think it fixes draw distance or anything like that uh, or pop-ins but still, mm. it doesn't look amazing. But then again, I don't play Fallout for the visuals. I play Fallout for a, a huge, you mm. know, sprawling RPG. But for a lot of people, the visuals are very important. And a, a game like Far Cry, I mean, when you, you think about it, like the, even with some of the visual problems, the Far Cry series has been one of the better-looking uh, franchises on, on console and, and on PC. Um, I think it, it yeah, originated yeah. with um, Crytek, didn't it? The Far Cry series. Yeah, the first one was. Yeah, first one. Yeah, Island. Yeah, yeah. So it's got its roosts in, um, in, in you know, in the same sort of vein as the Crisis games. And Crisis was always there was the running joke about PCs, but like, how good's your PC? Will it run Crisis? On the whole, they look very good, but I, I, I haven't played Far Cry Primal, so I can't say. I can't speak to the problems that, that Tom's seen with with uh, dodgy textures and loggy-looking mammoths and things like that. But um, I don't think that game would really be treated by Ubisoft as the big, as that much of an important game because they really shoved it out the door weeks before the Division came out. And the Division is is their big tentpole game of this year. And one that looks incredible as well. Absolutely incredible. As the other, yeah. like as the other side of that argument. Yeah. And again, a game that's probably benefited from being delayed. It doesn't look exactly. quite as good as it did when they first showed it at E3, um, however long ago it was. But it looks much better than, say, Watch Dogs did when that came out. Watch Dogs was probably a game that could have done with being delayed a little bit longer to yeah. polish up a few of the the, uh, the problems with that game as well. Mm. Well, they shot themselves in the foot with that trailer, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> <it> did. <laughs> that E3. Yeah, but it's like I say, it's just a multitude of reasons and. Until you actually get the full story, unless there's a full revealing documentary about how the development is, you don't understand. You don't understand. You don't fully get, get the full picture of what's going on and why. No. Okay, so let's move on to what we've been playing. Uh, Adam, do you want to start us off? Sure thing. So I have a few games I've been playing, and some I think are more so lend themselves to lapse gamers, perhaps thinking about picking them up than others. Mm. Um, the first one, Valiant Hearts, is definitely something I'd recommend for a lapsed gamer. Um, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but my top 10 games changes quite often, but my top three has been pretty set in stone mm. since I was a child, pretty much. <laughs> um, but Valiant Hearts is up there in my top three games of all time. Mm. Um, so it's a, for those that don't know, I guess it's a 2D side scrolling puzzle platformer kind of but um, where it really excels is in its storytelling um, It's not you're not playing some hero that's saving the day, there is one of the characters that's a bit of a hero but the main focus is on um, 
like the personal tale of a family reuniting across the war and there's a dog in there to like get you emotionally invested as well um <laughs> And it's just fantastic. It uses great little cutscenes. It's got a fantastic art style. It uses the uh, UBR engine, the same as uh, Child of Light used. Mm. Um, and the thing I loved about it is um, we have so few games about World War One, And yeah. where this game like reveled in was the collectibles. Every collectible you picked up had a little bit of history telling you. So like you'd pick up like a face mask and it'd give you a bit of history about how the Canadians learned that by covering the face masks in urine it would help <laughs> protect them a little bit better against the tear gas and stuff mustard gas mm. weird little things like that and it showed weird bits of kit that they found in trenches that soldiers would use and stuff so an incredible game not too difficult has a really good hint system which is why I'd recommend it for perhaps a lapsed gamer a little bit shorter as well it probably about 8 hours long play over the course of a couple of evenings once the kids are in bed and stuff second one there's another narrative-driven experience, but perhaps not one that I would recommend necessarily. It's called That Dragon Cancer, which was... Oh, I've heard about this. So, yeah. It was a New Year game originally, and then I guess it got brought to PC um, on Steam as a Kickstarter. Mm. And it follows, a, I guess, a couple's journey through their son being diagnosed with terminal cancer and how they dealt with it. Um, what what I wasn't quite prepared for is how heavily uh, religion played into it, and it was especially towards the end. Without spoiling too much, it gets pretty hard on delivering that message. But you can kind of understand their like their goal with it to try and mm. they've got a story they wanted to tell. It's fantastic, and it has like the hospital ward that part of the game set in. It has all this artwork that's done by other cancer sufferers it has letters and like memoirs and get well soon cards from other people so it's like a, I don't know it's sort of a, a bit it's almost like it could be you could see it as like a support book for people that have gone through cancer in their life you could see it as like a support game to help mm-hmm. people through so don't know if I'd recommend it I played it last night as like a little Sunday night thing like oh what could I play through that I can sit down and play in one go and that was sat there waiting so I was like okay it was a bit heavy for a Sunday night, if I'm honest. <laughs> but uh, um, it's on sale on Steam at the moment, actually. So less than ten dollars I paid for. Yeah, it, it's half so. price at the moment, I think. About seven yeah. or so over here. Mm. Yeah, so it's worth worth looking into. Just know what you're getting in for. You might come out feeling a little bit depressed, <laughs> I suppose. Or, but well worth it. It's not to say that games don't always have to necessarily be fun. If they make you think, that's not a bad thing. That's the same with Valiant Hearts as well. From what I play, is it? Yeah. Quite a depressing game. It can be. Um, yeah. It's not all without again without spoiling it. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is set in the First World yeah. War, after all. Exactly. <laughs> like you come, you come in. If you're going to pick up a game called That Dragon Cancer, <laughs> you know what to expect. And within the first couple of minutes, you know where it's going. Um, yeah. it has a really nice art style as well, though. Um, mm. Characters don't have uh, mouths or eyes, so it's kind of like all the expressions are done through the posturing of the character models, and the music helps set the tone. Uh, so good. The next game we've been playing is Final Fantasy Type. Zero HD on the Xbox. Not really a um, RPG person, but I found out that this was a little bit shorter. Like you can finish it in about 25 hours. It's a lot easier because it doesn't have. It's not turn-based. It's kind of that active time battle. So you've still got hit points and numbers and every, leveling up and everything. But it's that little bit you can dodge enemies' attacks and stuff. Uh, not the best-looking game because it's a up-res PSP game. So I'm like 18 hours into that. 
and I've kind of put it down a little bit at the minute because of a few other games further down on the list taking up time, but worth it if people like RPGs. Have you tried out the Final Fantasy XV demo that comes with Final Fantasy Time Zero? No, I haven't. I've installed it and I've not touched it yet. <laughs> I'd say give it a try just to see what it looks like because coming back to, to Tom's email about visuals in games, mm-hmm. that game looks absolutely stunning. I'm still not decided on whether or not I like it because it's. Uh, I, I'm a fan of you know uh, turn-based uh, combat okay. in JRPGs and that's not in Final Fantasy XV at all. Um, but oh my god, it looks incredible. What's the scope of that world kind of? Is that a bigger world? Or? The, the scope of the world, it's it's it. Well, the the, uh, the demo is in just one sort of area, but that area is pretty big. But just visually, it's it's incredible. Uh, one of the best looking games I've seen on console so far. I'm just not entirely sure whether the actual game itself is for me or not. I'll give it a go. Maybe after I finish Type Zero, so that Type Zero doesn't feel like a downgrade going back to it or something. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing I've been playing, um, I only briefly started this, is Uncharted Golden Abyss. Um, I Hmm. only actually just picked up a Vita um, like two weeks ago, and I reactivated my PS Plus account and discovered Hmm. that I basically have like 27 games that I could download straight onto my Vita. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You better go find those um, storage cards. Yeah. I bought a 32 gig one. I seem to have managed to fit nearly all those (laughs) games on there for now. Um, ah. I didn't mind buying the expensive card because I only paid $75 for the Vita used. Wow, so that's it was, good. Yeah, it's very good. So I was pretty happy with that. So, um, mm. But Uncharted Golden Abyss, uh, I feel like, briefly, it's it doesn't feel, it feels like the first Uncharted. So having played 2 and 3, it does feel like it's a bit aged. Um, but still really yeah. good game. Um, mm. I don't mind the touch stuff, or some of it at least. Like, I don't mind the plotting the path to climb and I don't mind when you cut in the cloth but why yeah. does it have the stupid bit where you're going across the logs and you have to balance it I hate it I don't know it's it's like they've, they've forced in some of the functionality that the Vita's got that it really didn't need um, other games have managed to use that functionality mm-hmm. a lot better um, it, yeah it, it did feel a little bit forced in places like oh god okay it's got a touch screen, so we better put a swipe screen in here. Oh, it's got it's got six axes, so we better put some sort of balancing function in. Well, it's like I remember um, Luigi's Mansion on the 3DS had the same thing. For the most part, it left it alone, but then it had the same walking mm. across things and having to balance the 3DS to get through. I just it baffles <laughs> me why they think it's a good idea to push those things. And my next three games are all games that are basically massive time sinks that have kept me away from actually finishing games because I'm a bit of a uh, how can I put it I'm a bit of a one for finishing games like I'd like to always feel like I'm progressing and finishing games and like how many games have I finished this week how many games have I finished in the year overall and the next three Mm. games have kind of kept me away from that but at least maybe one of them the first one is something that lapsed gamers might enjoy Uh, Clash Royale is by the makers of Clash of Clans. Um, I guess, how would you, you describe it? It's a, a real-time strategy game, like a lane-based real-time strategy game where you have three towers that you're defending and you set off. Um, you use like the resources that you have. You have a meter that goes up up to ten and each card you have, 
uses a certain amount of energy on your board and you're just sending different types of uh, troops like giants, knights, goblins, um, bomb throwing skeletons, witches and stuff to blow up the opposition's towers. Um, it's free to play and where that comes into it is you get awarded chests for winning games and you open the chests to get more cards. The cards aren't like, um, they don't, they're not like burn cards, you keep the cards permanently. The more of each card you have, you can stack those cards and like level up. So there's motivation to spend money to buy more chests or once you have to wait for the chests to open. So there's the motivation to spend money to get better cards to keep that stack going. Um, but it's really enjoyable. Mm. I'd say the games are only three minutes long, at a, uh, four minutes at a push, because if you're drawing with somebody, if you've both destroyed one tower each, it goes to sudden death. But I definitely would recommend it to people. It's, I've played it from maybe like 10 hours. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't spent a penny yet, and I'm like winning games. I feel like I'm making progress through it. So it's worth trying. So that's Clash Royale. I think it's on... I'm playing it on Android, but I'm pretty sure it's on iOS as well. Yeah, if it's on Android, it's always yeah, definitely it's on iOS. Yeah, it's usually on Yeah, exactly. Um, the other ma- major time, time sync is uh, good old Rocket League. Hey! Uh, I guess I'm late, uh, only owning an Xbox, and um, <laughs> my laptop possibly could run it, but probably not optimally. Mm. I decided not to buy it on PC, so it only just came to Xbox, so I'm behind... I guess most people are this one, but what a cracking game. You wouldn't think that uh, cars banging into a football would be fun. <laughs> but it really is. It's incredible. Uh, my wife doesn't get it. Whenever she comes home and I'm sat watching it, she's like, oh, more soccer cars, I see. Like, <laughs> she just doesn't get it. But yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun online with that one. Um, and then the major game I've been playing, which I know, Mark, you've been playing as well as The Division. Mm. Um, yeah. I think you're a little bit further than me, but so I'm around level 22, still working my way through the story missions. So this is, I guess, the first one of these types of MMO-like experiences or like a Diablo-like mm. experience that I've ever got into. I played Diablo 2 yeah. back in the day, but just basically played the story and that was it. Mm. This has got its hooks into me more than Destiny did. I really struggled with Destiny, mm. as solid as its mechanics are. Um, I found that the lack of plot didn't really give me much motivation to play, and I don't count. That's a fair criticism. I don't count yeah. unlocking those grimoire cards as um, plot, to be honest, because I'm not going to go and sit no. on the website and read all that. <laughs> uh, whereas the division, sure, the story's a bit ridiculous. Like you have ridiculous enemies, like the cleaners. Like it's a ridiculous proposition that a, a group of people just decide to set fire to everything, and that's a viable solution. But at least as a story and you feel like you're moving towards it and all the feel like the really good storytelling in the game like all the side quests tie back into the overarching plot you'll get so cell phone messages that tie back into all that um i really like the echoes that you find yeah um i kind of like these like almost ethereal like flashbacks and they're not always major plot points. Some of them can show off tiny, like, intimate moments. Like, there's a party on a rooftop. Um, there's one down in the underground with some music that's pretty cool. It just shows you how people, like, lived their lives in the last few days before Black Friday and the madness descended. I think it looks incredible. Not as, like we yeah. talked before when you were talking about the uh, scale back, the graphics. Um, some, it was, doesn't look as good as it was. It still does look amazing. And the attention to detail, like, it looks like a lived in city that's collapsed and yeah 
there's not many reused assets about you can enter random buildings for to get loot and stuff and each building looks slightly different there'll be like apartments that are like kitted out with like there's one that looks like a musician's apartment there's one that's got like an ironing board with ironing stacked up on it i like how all the safe houses are like different locations they're not just a desk that you walk into and it's safe like an abandoned school gymnasium and stuff yeah they've all got the sort of personality and that is like there's one of the safe houses is a cinema and uh one of them is the ubisoft offices and um yeah they've all like it's it reminds me quite a lot of games like um the last of us where Mm -hmm. there is yeah there's there's not a lot of there's not a repeat of assets or anything like that like you were saying it feels very very real and yeah. incredibly dark as well in places as well. Like some of the echoes you see. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, like one of them, I remember one of the first ones I saw was 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 an echo of people being burned alive in their cars by by a group of cleaners yes. who come by. Um, yeah. And you'll go into areas and you, like you'll be looking around and, and suddenly you'll notice that the floor is just body bags, just wall to wall body bags. Um, and part of the, the map is uh, in, in one of the parks in New York is just a mass open grave where they've been chucking bodies yeah. in body bags and yeah it's 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 dark <laughs> talking of dark I guess I experienced the dark zone for the first time two nights ago <laughs> I actually ventured in there even though I'm a little bit lower level yeah and that's a really good like that tension mm. I guess because you don't have that tension all the time when you do have it feels incredible like i um was making it to an extraction point with some loot that i'd got and it was at the top of like a parking lot yeah and as i was turning the corner it said there was an extraction coming in like 30 seconds so i was like i'm just gonna run up plonk all my stuff on that'll be great as i turned the corner into the parking lot there was a bunch of ais who absolutely slaughtered me yeah. um <laughs> so then my item was items were all dropped so then i had a mad dash from like the safe area back to my items to pick up my items and I was like, oh god, so then I slowly took out all the troops by that point. I'd like missed the extraction, so I had to go back up, wait for an extraction, and there was this tense moment when three guys came like running up. <laughs> and I was like, oh crap, there's three of them, I'm done for. But thankfully they were cool and we all just got out safe. Yeah. Um Most of my experiences at, at the extraction points have been like that where everyone's kind of been cool. Like you, you can't really there's proximity chat if you're just using the game chat. Uh, but if you're in a party, then you can't hear each other. Most people are using, at least on PlayStation, most people are using the, the built-in party chat on PlayStation, so you can't hear yeah. them. And so there's sort of this unspoken thing of people will go into the middle and they'll use the emotes, so they'll either salute or mm-hmm. start doing jumping jacks or something like that to say, hey, we're yeah. cool, we're not going to start a fight. Mm-hmm. But occasionally you'll get one where you're there and you're waiting for an extraction and a bunch of other players will turn up and you'll just they'll just be standing around and everyone's on edge and people keep <laughs> yeah, pointing their guns at each other. Yeah, yeah everyone's <laughs> pointing their guns at each other and like, oh God, it's going to kick off any second. And it's like that scene in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And um, I absolutely <laughs> yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not sure. I kind of sway between... Sometimes I feel like the, the main game's lacking that kind of tension, mm. but I think that's what makes it special is that it's... That intensity of having to get out of that, and I thought that was across the entire world. It might not be as interesting. I think it would be um, because they've made most of the game to the point where you can play on your own. You can go through most of the missions solo, or you can match make if you if you don't want to play with friends, or, or you haven't got any friends to, online to play with. And I think that if the dark zone was over the entire map, 
it would just be unfair for people playing on their own because they just get picked on yeah, by by yeah, yeah roving groups of rogue <laughs> players just going around bullying That's people. True. Yeah. One thing you just reminded me actually the matchmaking stuff. I'm really impressed. Like this is I know uh, last week or the week before when you were talking about it, you were saying it's not really accessible for a lapsed gamer because it's a heavy experience. Yeah. But I do think they've done a really good job of how easily you can access matchmaking options to play with strangers. Yeah, you can. Because like every safe house has the points where you can start. Um, every main story mission is like a last chance before you go in the mission to just hold the button down and be put together with a group of people already playing. So I do think it helps. Yeah, um, and they've also done a lot of stuff with the end game to make make stuff like that more accessible than in games like Destiny. So because it's both Destiny and and uh, the Division are games quite similar to Diablo, the real game ends when you hit the level cap, when you finish the story, and that's when you start doing you're unlocking the daily missions and the challenge modes and the high end dark zone stuff. Um, whereas in Destiny, if you wanted to do, say, a Nightfall Strike, which is like the weekly really challenging strike that you would do to get mm-hmm. the best loot, you couldn't matchmake. Like, they flat out refused to matchmake, saying that you have to have... Yeah. Um, you, you, we can't do it because you've got you've to be able to communicate with people, you've got to coordinate. In the daily hard modes on the Division and in the daily challenge mode, which is like ridiculously difficult to the point where I haven't been able to even get past the first room in one of them yet... Uh, they still oh, let you matchmake. So okay. if you don't have people to play with, if there's nobody online at that time that you want to play with and you want to knock out one of the challenge modes, then you can just matchmake and you, you'll be in, an, in a match usually within 30 seconds. So it's, cool. it's, it is a lot more accessible for people who want to play the game solo um, and don't want to just trade it in when they've finished the storyline, who people who want to get involved in the end game way more than something like Destiny is. So I've played a lot of it um, solo with the odd matchmaking and then I do have a group of friends that are playing it on Xbox, but they're all way... They've, they're at the end game now, whereas <laughs> I haven't quite reached it. You've been left behind. Um, yeah, I kind of got left behind by, I don't know, having a life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's good to know that there's still going to be stuff that waits for me to access that content when I do get there. Yeah. Um, the end game content at the moment is... Um, there's not as much in terms of things you can do compared to, say, Diablo or... Or even Borderlands or, or, or Destiny. But if you're enjoying the game, then there's enough there to have fun with because you can just go into the dark zone and just trawl around there hunting for loot and taking out high level enemies and whatnot. And it is it's an it's an incredibly fun game to play. Like it's not a mm-hmm. solid shooter as Destiny, but just the actual gameplay of it wow. is really, really fun. So Stuart, what have you been playing? Well, this week I have a fair number of games actually. The first one I'm going to mention is I can after we'd finished recording last week I completely forgot to mention Lego Batman 2, which I finally 100%ed on um, oh, the weekend just before uh, recording. Congratulations! Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> that, so there's both the mention of Lego on the show mm-hmm. and it was I was playing it on the Wii U. So there's the Nintendo. Oh, <laughs> so there we go. That'll That's keep it. Lee happy. There we go. We've got to get yeah. at least once a week. <laughs> exactly. Um, a really enjoyable game. Um, so it was. It's. I think I was a little disappointed in that the story was maybe less than 25% of the overall completion of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, it took a long time getting the rest of the yellow bricks, the red bricks, unlocking all the characters, etc. But it was enjoyable for what it was. Um, the only issue um, I had with it that I think had been mentioned before was just flying as any of the flying characters like Superman and what have you. 
there was the inverted controls just felt strange. But apart from that, again, it was level. Mm. I mean, you Lego games are story-wise. I mean, you do about six, seven percent, don't you? And you look at you like going, oh, yeah. balls! I've got all of that to do. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> it's just when I, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think it was level or after level six or seven or whatever, and the whole map opens up, and then you can actually see yeah. all the yellow bricks, and it, you know, whenever the total. To complete it was something like 250 yeah. you sort of go oh. <laughs> so I think I was in between playing the normal levels and what have you I was doing yellow bricks and things as well just to sort of keep me going mm. the other things I've been playing this week are Hearthstone on iOS um, just doing the sort of usual monthly um, challenges of trying to get up to rank 20 and earning the card back and what have you for the week mm. um, playing the tavern brawl I'm not a serious Hearthstone player I just I go for the card backs. <laughs> so uh, Warhammer 40,000 uh, Freeblade on iOS mm. is an on-rail shooter where you are, well, supposedly piloting one of the um, Freeblade uh, mechs, uh, which is, it's like a big mech with um, variable weaponry and what have you mm. on it. They're not bad little, it's not a bad little game. As I say, it's an on-rail shooter that you um, have to try and clear levels um, with different uh, challenges throughout the level, either taking out so many um, enemies or trying to do it in a certain time limit, etc. I think for the universe, it's fine and it plays grand on um, the iOS. What I would say, it's a little bit um, heavy-handed with asking for the in-app purchases uh. and things like that. Um, I did throw two ninety nine out of it because I was easily getting two ninety nine out of it. There was a um, special offer on like a starter pack or whatever, so I thought, well, two ninety nine is fair enough, so it is. Hmm. But after that, it's uh, it pushes. Um, you're never quite meeting the level of, or the your equipment level is never quite at the level of the next level mm. that you have to go on to. So you have to sort of hang around or redo some of the other levels for sort of grinding out. Um, little bits and pieces just to get those extra little bits of armor or weaponry etc um, but overall it's grand to sit and play for with um, every so often so it is I was also playing desert golfing um, on <laughs> iOS which is just a wonderful simple time sink so it is there's isn't that the game that never ends it is yes <laughs> yeah there are yeah the only things on screen are the actual number on the flag of the hole that you're on the number of shots you've taken um, on that hole and the number of the total um, shots that you've taken um, up to that hole and yeah each um, level is just completely randomly generated so it mm. is very occasionally you'll come across a cactus or a stone or um, I even got a little bit of water uh, the other day but that is all and it's so simple but yet so compelling and you can you know you think right I'll play one hole and ten minutes later, you know, you've played sort of three or four of them. So you have <laughs> half an hour later, you're up to maybe twenty or so. And some of them, you just go for that tin cup moment, so you do, of just getting that hole in one. Sometimes you're deliberately just firing it off the edge, just so you can try and go for that perfect shot on it. So it is. But um, yeah, a lovely little game. What hole are you on now? Um, over a thousand. Jesus. <laughs> Jeez. So, <I> am. <laughs> so yeah, it's got it hooked into you then. Yeah, it does. As it's just one of those ones that it's very easy to just put on uh, whenever you've got the time to sit. Oh. Or, you don't think there's enough time to put into something, but uh, it's just sitting there, just blinking at you or winking at you, just trying to get your attention. So it is. <laughs> um, I've also recently started playing The Walking Dead: No Man's Land. 
which I think was recently released on Android and probably iOS as well. It's a resource management system based in the Walking Dead universe. Um, I think the events are based, I want to say, after Season 4 in the round Terminus. Um, I'm not entirely sure about that. Um, My wife was watching the actual TV series, um, so I think it was in the round there. The game itself, um, for a resource management game, isn't too bad, uh, so it's not. Uh, but it does have a uh, turn-based battle system um, that reminds me vaguely of um, the old turn-based games like uh, Shining Force. Um, in that, you know, uh, you've got a map and you move your players around the map, attacking the zombies and trying to clear them and things like that. It's it's a good little game and a nice little distraction. There's sort of obviously whenever you're doing the resource management, there's the time constraints and things take sort of half an hour, forty-five minutes or whatever to upgrade. Um, but it's not um, very heavy-handed. I think there's only one item that you can actually sort of buy, which is the little gold bars. Um, but it doesn't demand uh, too much from you um, with the in-app purchases. So I'm enjoying that at the minute. Um, I think I'm up to episode two maybe three or four missions into it um each episode seems to have about seven levels or so um, there's also like a daily challenge and i think they've recently added player versus player where yeah once you get your camp to a certain level um you have access to an outpost and so players i'm guessing is just their um uh, their teams or whatever their best team is then um you can assign them to attack outposts or whatever mm-hmm. Um, so there's a little bit of um, player versus player that way. Um, so yeah, no, it's recommended. So it is. I've been enjoying it so far. And the last game that I've been playing this week is La Noir on PC. Wow. I spent maybe about two and a half hours or so on it on Saturday night. Mm. Um, so that I have maybe nine missions or so left in the game. Um, plus an awful lot of achievements to track down if I'm ever going to do it. I really enjoy the actual setting of the, the game. Yeah, and yeah. There's a nice variety um, of um, playstyles in it um, because there's a little bit of detective work, so it's almost like a little bit point and clicky. Um, but then you can... Uh, sometimes you're chasing suspects and what have you, and you get to drive around LA as well. Mm. And from what I can tell, it seems to be sort of... Uh, well mapped out and based on the the city um, at the time um, with various landmarks and things to chase down and there's plenty of um, cars yeah, I think there's I want to say 40 but it's probably actually more than that um, cars to try and track way down more than that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, along with golden film reels etc yeah. and uh, there's sort of a running story in the background where you were uh, a soldier um, in the war before that um, before coming into uh, the LAPD at the time. So yeah, I'm really enjoying that. And I can't remember how many hours I've sunk into it so far, but uh, as I said, about nine missions or so where cases left. Um, so I'm enjoying that. You've managed to stay spoiler-free for LA Noir all these years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's, I think, well, each, each of the different cases um, gets hard to describe. Mm-hmm. You know, you can go into an awful lot of detail in it, so you can't. Um, but no, it's enjoyable. Um, so okay. it is, I think it's cheap on PSN until the end of the month, the complete edition. Mm. I think it's in around six or seven pounds. Uh, so it is, and um, yeah, I think it's for anybody who wanted to pick it up. I would definitely recommend it. 
so it is, it's probably a lot more laid back um, for Rockstar compared to something like Grand Theft Auto. Yes, yeah. Um, so for yeah, for people with not necessarily an awful lot of time to put in it or don't want necessarily a very um, vigorous um, gameplay session or whatever, it's, it's quite laid back. Um, just going through the cases, even ignoring the street crimes, etc., and all the rest of the achievement hunting and things, um, you can sit and do a case in maybe two hours or so hmm. um, each time. So it's 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 a very good game. I'm enjoying it greatly. That was the game that forced me to finally get a console last generation because I was strictly a PC gamer. I was I was all, all the, the, the the games that most of the games that came out on console I was getting on PC and I was playing a lot of PC games, playing a lot of StarCraft two and things like that. And then when LA Noir was coming out and I'm a sucker for a, a good uh, film noir um, a, 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 that game. Like it really, I was really attracted to it. So that was the thing that finally forced me to get an Xbox 360, and I to this day I don't regret it because uh, I, it did. A lot of people criticised it when it came out because it's Cole, is it? Is it Cole? Yeah, the main character. Yeah. I think. Yeah, he uh, in some of the interrogations can go. He always acts like he's bipolar. Um, <laughs> yes, he does. He goes yeah. from being very calm to being a, like to being <laughs> full of rage at the drop of a hat. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I think it's a it's a great game, and yeah, you can pick it up cheap. Like it's a, it's on on sale on PS3 at the moment. Yeah, you you were, you're definitely going to get your money's worth out of that today if you yes. pick it up easily. Yeah, and, and if uh, you're a fan of of, uh, of films like Chinatown, actually, Chinatown's probably the, the thing that's got the most similarity to in terms of the storyline. Yeah, as you'll probably guess as as, as you go on uh, through it a little bit, but. Um, yeah, definitely recommend picking that up. Yep, I'd say pick that up and go down to your local bookstore and pick up a whole load of James Elroy as well. And uh, yes. I think you'll be set for a good long yeah. time. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so that's all I have. So uh, I've been playing The Division still. I've managed to get to the, the end game. I hit the, the level cap and I've got into the end game stuff. Uh, I won't talk too much about it because I think we've covered quite a bit this this episode and the last episode. But I, I'm really enjoying the end game. Um, trawling to try and get better gear completing daily hard mode uh, missions to get the the other currency that pops up at the end to be able to buy blueprints for the high-end gear and uh, trying to find bits of armor and, and whatnot that will up the particular stats that i want to build my character out in the way that i want in a, in a very diablo sort of way that's something that it's definitely got over destiny is being able to build your character to uh, to a play style that suits you yeah, really, really enjoying it. I'm playing a little bit more Rocket League. I uh, popped it in uh, on my lunch break today because uh, we're getting another new mode soon uh, to add on to the, the ice hockey mode that was added uh, around Christmas time. And then there was the Rocket Labs um, odd maps like the circular pitch and the pitch with uh, with um, raised levels and another pitch where each goal has two openings. They're adding uh, in uh, for March Madness, they're adding in a basketball mode into Rocket League so um, I'm looking forward to that so I've been uh, playing a little bit of that to try and shake some of the rust off because Persona 5 is hopefully coming out this year it's coming out in Japan this year apparently I'm, I'm hoping that the the Western release will be not that far behind it we won't have to wait six months to a year as we so often do with some of the smaller JRPGs um, and my girlfriend is a big fan of JRPGs but she's never played a Persona game so I handed her my Vita and said, you need to start playing Persona 4 Golden. 
Um, so I spent quite a lot of time over the weekend watching her play um, Persona 4. Uh, have any of you guys ever played in the Persona games? No, got the nope. got Golden sat on my Vita waiting to play. Oh, you're in for a treat. Persona 4 is one of the best JRPGs I've ever played. It's less fantastical than some of the other ones. Basically, it's, you, you, the, the, it revolves around a character who moves from the big city to a small town called Inaba, and there's a murder mystery that's going on that does take a little bit of fantastical route. People are being sucked into a TV world and murdered, and you have to go into the TV world and try and, and rescue them and try and discover who the murderer is. But most of the game is spent during your daily life, so going to school during the day, and then spending your afternoon hanging out with friends or doing a part-time job and things like that. And that sounds incredibly boring, but it's really, really good. It's really well written. It's written in quite a... I don't want to say adult, but it it tackles some adult subject matter in a very mature way, which is something that JRPGs on the whole don't do very well. The art style is incredible. The voice acting is very good for a JRPG for, or for a Japanese game. It's, it's still over the top and wacky, but um, the characters are very, very likeable. If you can deal with J-pop, then the soundtrack is very good. <laughs> J-pop is not a genre that I'd say I'm a fan of, but I absolutely love the soundtrack to Persona 4. It's a brilliant game. It's, it's like I say, I'm a big fan of JRPGs, and it's it's up there with games like Final Fantasy 7 um, and Final Fantasy 10 for me in terms of, of JRPGs. It's, it's definitely worth checking out, and it's the version it was originally out on ps2 and the, the vita version is the best version of that game uh, and if you've got a vita you owe it to yourself to get hold of it if you can if you can pick it up reasonably cheaply but um prepare to sink some time into it because it's 50 60 70 hours long i still haven't seen the end of it and i've been playing it for the best part of a year on and off so. <laughs> <laughs> the last two games we've been playing are games that i would definitely recommend for lapsed gamers actually. Um, the first one was I picked up Hitman Go, uh, the definitive edition, on uh, PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita. I think it was like £6, uh, cross, cross buy, cross play. It's a... I don't know how to describe it really. It's like a board game version of Hitman, in that you have an, a, a series of small panels that look like they're like a, like a, a board game sort of thing. And you've got the little Hitman model and guard models, and they're on you've got rails that you can go along, little tracks. Every time you move, then the guards will move. And you have to figure your way around these little puzzles to get past the guards or take the guards out and get to the exit or um, pick up a briefcase and get to the exit or find get to your target and take your target out. Each board takes, uh, depending on how difficult it is, takes, I don't know, 30 seconds to 10 minutes to complete some of them well, it starts off very very simple so you can find your way into it and you learn the mechanics of it and you work out how it how it goes i got through all of the the first set of the, the first board game because they're presented like each world is presented like a boxed board game with various different boards in it i got through the first one managing to get all the um objectives because it'll be like a you always get an objective for getting to the exit or taking it to target. And then there'll be other objectives like get the briefcase and get to the exit. Or get to the exit in 16 moves or less. Uh, and that's when it starts to get really, really complicated. Ooh. Have any of you guys uh, played him? Yeah, and kind of hit a wall where it starts to get a bit more complicated. <laughs> yes, I'm already at that yeah. wall. <laughs> and I'm only on the second board. See, I'm on the, f- <laughs> the fourth board and it adds another new layer to things. And... Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know. It's not what like 
it's for something like you're talking about for a laps game or for a more casual experience it it's it definitely gets tougher especially if you're trying to three star the levels or whatever like yeah yeah but it's like you can you, you it's something you could play on your daily commute yeah. you could sit there and play a board when you're on the bus or the train or whatever or whenever you've got 10 minutes to spare or play it a bit when you're in bed i've spent a lot of time on it on some of the more difficult ones just moving backwards and forwards between two spaces <laughs> trying to get particular guard routes out of sync yeah. because the guards will move along a, a route unless you disturb it like you can you can move to a point where there'll be something you can pick up and then throw to make a sound which will distract the guards and that will change the guards route and then they'll stick to that new route unless you disturb it in some other way and i've spent way longer than I'd like to admit, just going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, trying to get the guards' routes to move out of sync so that I can get past them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's great. Um, I haven't I haven't even seen what um, Lara Croft Go is like, but uh, um, I'm hoping that at some point in the future that'll get a release on on, uh, on PS4 and Vita as well, because uh, so far I'm really, really enjoying Hitman Go. And the last one I played is... Uh, the Wolf Among Us uh, Season 1, the uh, Telltale game. Um, we're not going to talk too much about this one because we're planning on doing a playlist episode of this at some point in the future where we'll cover Season 1 and talk a little bit about the Fable comics as well. Um, so I'll cover it briefly. Basically, the premise is all the fairy tale characters from myths and legends, um, Beauty and the Beast, the Big Bad Wolf... Uh, Ichabod Crane, people like that from various uh, fantasy stories, Mr. Toad, um, have to to had to leave their fable world, their their, their homeland, because of uh, some invading force called the uh, adversary, and they set up shop in New York. And I think in the comics it's explained that they moved there at some point in the 1600s. But in the, the game and the comic books take place in the late 70s or early 80s. It's not really specified exactly when. You In the Telltale game, you play uh, Bigby Wolf, a.k.a. the Big Bad Wolf from <laughs> uh, Red Riding Hood and the Three Pigs and basically any fable that involved the Big Bad Wolf. And he is the sheriff for Fable Town, which is the community where all these fables live in New York. And on the surface of it, it's just a murder story. Uh, at the beginning of, um, of The Wolf Among Us, there's a murder that Bigby has to investigate. The whole thing is, is, is set against a sort of a backdrop of, of the fables living in society of haves and have-nots. The, the fables that, have, have, that, that look human, so um, Snow White, a Sleeping Beauty, and people like Cinderella... Uh, and people like that who look human can pass for human in in the uh, the human world, and other people like the three pigs and Mr. Toad and people like that have to rely on glamours to appear uh, human, so they can actually live in this world. And the whole thing's set against like a class struggle between yeah. those that can afford to 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 pay for these glamours to to fit in with the world people who can afford to live in like the swanky part of fable town which is called the woodlands apartment complex and the people that live in the down and out areas and the outskirts the people that are scraping a living the fables that that can't afford these glamours uh, and those that can't are sent to live off in another area called the farm and it's it's a brilliant sort of noir tale a brilliant murder mystery but it's also a, like a quite interesting social commentary as well set against 
it's fables it's <laughs> you're playing the big bad wolf and living it uh, living in the big bad wolf's apartment is one of the the pigs from the three pigs and they have these conversations about Bigby doesn't want the, the, the pig to live there, but the pig's kind of like, you owe it to me because you blew down my house all those <laughs> years ago, and so on and so forth. But it it takes itself seriously, just like it does in the comic books, and it but it doesn't come off as stupid ever. It's like you genuinely feel for these characters. It's a, it's a brilliant game. I don't want to talk too much about it, because like I said, we're going to do an episode on it on the, in the future, but it's... I've played quite a few of the Telltale series, but and this is by far my favourite. Yeah, definitely does a good job of feeling different. Like you feel like you're in, investigating and stuff compared to mm. just surviving in like The Walking Dead or something. Yeah, and it tugs on your heartstrings in a different way than yeah, The Walking Dead. Sure. Like The Walking Dead was just a series of gut punches, yeah. um, whereas this is a little bit more subtle. This is more. I can't believe that I would ever feel sorry for a talking. <laughs> Very mm-hmm. rude toad, <laughs> <laughs> who's the superintendent of a of a you know an apartment complex, or feel sorry for the woodsman from um, the Little Red Riding Hood story, or anything like that. It's uh, it's incredibly well done. It's it's very it's very in keeping with with the Fables comic books, but. Um, yeah, I won't say any more on that because, like I said, we're going to cover that on an episode in the future. Sure. How does it play on the PS4? I know there's been some issues with the, the Telltale engine um, starting yes. to show its age. Oh, well, it, it always did. I mean, like the first season of Walking Dead was very janky. Um, Game of Thrones, I played that re- uh, recently. That was very janky. This one, not too bad um, overall. There's a few moments where there was like a, like a freeze and there was like a moment where... It was like it was like a train changing tracks where you'd made a a, dis, a a particular decision in a conversation, and then it was moving from that chain onto what the next character would say, and it was like a bit of a hitch there. Mm. Um, but the only one that would really annoyed me was the it's got an incredible opening sequence, um, very very good like opening cutscene sort of or not cutscene but like you know opening credit sequence like you get in a TV show. Um, beautiful art style really good music and it kind of sets the tone for the the, the series um but and every single episode at the same point in the credit sequence it would freeze for about two or three seconds and then very quickly catch up with itself and i don't know why because it didn't it didn't affect the gameplay at all but that really annoyed me (laughs) but apart from that you know it's a telltale game it's got it's got some some mechanical problems Mm. but you know very very good but that's about it that's about all i've played a few games there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Andy? Um, yeah, only a couple of games this week. Um, I completed Tomb Raider, the definitive edition on the PS4. Did you keep a running tally of how many times she was murdered horribly? Um, yeah, I got murdered a few times. <laughs> crushed by stones, blown up by wind, <laughs> crushed by a giant, um, pierced by something. I can't... It got to the point where it got ridiculous. Really, it got it got too it got stupid. It looked like a lot of the programmers and were taking a bit of glee in killing a Flora Croft yeah. in various ways. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I enjoyed the game overall. It's a very good game. Like I said, it is as I did say last week, it is ideal for laps gamers because it's got it's quite simple. The controls are quite simple. Um, it, it is linear, even though it is, you you can do. Um, a lot of things on the island, there's a lot of collectibles to do, but you're not forced into doing any of them, you're no. not forced to do any of the tombs. So in that sense it is linear. Um very action based. 
I still had that major problem. I, I do feel the creators had tried to have their cake and eat it uh, in a big in a big way. I think the story by Rihanna Pratchett was brilliant. I just I still was it the, the narrative dissonance with the gameplay. The, the, yeah, Ludo narrative yeah. dissonance. Massive problem. It, you know, mm. if you're going to create a storyline and have a character go through all these survival aspects and develop and get pierced and do all these things close to the beginning I think it has to have some impact on your gameplay that you do shouldn't be able to do all these miraculous leaps, bounds dodging things and everything I think you've got to have something that handicaps you and instead of you just acting like normal because of the cutscenes it affects you all these deaths, everything affects you. It says this is the beginning of Lara Croft. But on the gameplay, it doesn't. Um, and while it's compared, if you compare it to Uncharted, he never actually suffered all these like, psychological deaths, what he sees, he never suffers crippling injuries. He's more like Indiana Jones. Whereas Lara's isn't. So they try to have a serious story with her developing her to take the series forward but tried to play her as Indiana Jones still. I just had him there. Yeah, they needed to play her a little bit more like um, trying to be a good example like uh, like John yeah, McClane say that. Yeah. in the original yeah. Die Hard. Yeah. 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 Whereas like he goes through this crazy adventure but by the end of it he's visibly fucked yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> he is. You know, he's bleeding from his feet isn't he? Like he suffers. Yeah. Like, you, can, yeah. you can actually see that. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you had Lara Croft limping along through the game and mm. you weren't able to do all these massive jumps, then yeah, that'd be brilliant. But they said, no, uh, you can just leap across these, you can climb up all these little shutters and dodge these big guys. It, it, it just got to the point in my head, I was like, all right, I'm enjoying the game, but I don't think I'll ever replay it. It was just annoying me too much in mm. that sense. But it is worth playing is you could probably pick it up for cheap now yes um, yeah you can so i would play it and if you can get that thing in your head where yeah she's suffering but she doesn't look like she's suffering no no and it's like what we were saying last week about how there's that bit in the beginning yeah when she kills that first guy and she's she's visibly shaken yeah. up yeah and then within half an hour you've murdered a couple yeah. of dozen people yeah that's it <laughs> and she just doesn't care no that's it you know and you can accept the supernatural aspects of it as well you know yeah. you're always going to get that in all these type of games so that was fine mm. the other game I've started was Assassin's Creed Rogue on the PS3 no. I want to play this game yeah, now I haven't played Black Flag yet, so this is a one that came out a year after Black Flag, along with Unity. Yeah, I think this was a yeah. This is a 360 PS3 and PS PC um, only. Mm. So you play a character um, about halfway through. You play a character called Shay. I think it's Shane. I can't remember. And he starts off as an assassin, and eventually, um, bit of a spoiler you will turn to be a Templar. So that is the unique twist on the um, storyline. Hmm. Um, starts off with a major problem because I was playing it downstairs with my wife and she's Irish. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she's straight it's away... It's not kind to the Irish people, is it? Um, <laughs> From what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, the guy who plays it, the voice is meant to be Irish. 
but what we've got the voice actors. So the voice actor playing the main guy is Canadian, doing an Irish accent. Right. And then the psychic, who starts off with the first few chapters, is the Irish guy, with a proper Irish accent. So mm. when my wife was listening to the main character talk, she goes, it's hurting my ears. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's speaking. <laughs> it was hurting her ears so bad she had to look up who played it. And she looked into the whole argument about this guy saying it was a crap Irish accent, why did they have him? And people defended him saying he was born in Canada or North America in the, or the USA and that he had to have this accent. So make of it will, it is a terrible accent, well, <laughs> whatever you call it, it is absolutely terrible. The game itself is more focused on ship, battle, well not battle but ro- moving around the area, it's like the North Atlantic, um, close to the, the North Pole and mm. you'd, um, you move around on the ship and the, what, I played three, Assassin's Creed 3 was the last game I played and I really enjoy the side issue of the ships, they were really good. Mm. And what they've done, I don't know what happens in Black Flag, so I can't say, but what they've done the seams, they've Assassin's Creed, the ship version of it, and in such a way that sometimes you have to sneak past these ships and there's so many of them and it is so annoying at times. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's not too much of that in um, Black Flag. Mm. Black Flag was the ba- last one I bought and I, I'll still pop it in the PlayStation every now and then and play it again because it's basically... Assassin's Creed does Sid Meier's Pirates. Yeah, um, it's it, it's a great game. That I, I really really enjoy it. It's just like a giant open expanse of the of the Caribbean. Yeah, and it's it's supposed to be an Assassin's Creed game. And I can't, I, to be honest, I couldn't tell you anything that really happens in the story that involves the assassins. No. I just played it as a pirate game, and um, in terms of that, it's really really fun. There are a couple of missions where you were forced to do ship stealth, and it was awful. Yeah. Um, but on the whole, you're just out on the open seas, being a pirate, raiding yeah. ships, sinking dreadnoughts. Yeah, uh, and that's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, the combat is is good once again. But like I said, they've sort of tried to Assassin's Creed the naval aspect of it, and you're like, oh, please no. What I do like, so the last game I played was free. Like I said, it they've lessened the alert system. So the, I mean, you used to walk along in um, Boston or New York. And you're just walking along doing nothing, and all these guys were suddenly start chasing. It was like a Benny Hill outfit, you'd be like running around with about <laughs> 15 guards, and then maybe 30 guards, because it, it, you'd have a widespread area of alerts going all over the place. Mm. I think they've, they've, re- they've re- certainly reduced that. So you can be walking around, you're not going to get instantly um, chased by these guards unless you're in a no go zone, a red zone. So re- that's, that's done that good. Wait, but when mm. you're getting chased, the guards will catch up to you. It really annoys you when the guards just catch up to you and the rugby tackle you, and you're like, all of a sudden you're surrounded by six or seven guards. You're like, oh, fuck, I have to fight all these guys. So you have to do it for the combat. <laughs> Overall, it's good. I mean, I pushed through to halfway. I mean, you find yourself, oh, shall I play it? Shall I play it? And then you find yourself an hour and a half later. Well, I've done another sequence. I've done another sequence. They're still throwing the Desmond, well, not the Desmond, but the future thing in, and that's just annoying. Um, yeah. Don't really like that. I wouldn't no. recommend it to a lapse game. It, it's just too Assassin's Creed. It's um, mm-hmm. I think it's too many things to do. You do get lost a bit, and I think the controls haven't changed at all. But what keeps you playing is the world that it's setting. And if you like that type of world in North America in the 1700s, 
you will get a lot out of it, but I certainly wouldn't recommend it. See, that's what I loved so much about Black Flag is because you can you can play it for you know a couple of hours and never mm. get off your ship if you want to. Like you, yeah. you don't have to, apart from like story missions and going collecting. Mm. Um, you know various collectibles and whatnot. You can spend most of the game just dicking about on your ship. Um, yeah. That aspect of it is so much fun, and I'd gotten so tired of the running, running around in the cities like the, the same old clunky climbing mechanics mm. and uh, and uh, the the silly feet that the characters always have when you're trying to do a foot chase, <laughs> and they'll you, you go to run past an obstacle and he'll decide to climb up it or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's why I haven't bothered with either Unity or Syndicate mm. because as soon as I found that they were they were not bringing the ship combat back, I was just like, right, I'm done, mm. I'm out. I'll stick with Black Flag. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ship comp. There's a lot of things to do on the ship, and but to do the main storyline, you mm. do have to go on land quite a bit. Yeah. And I find myself fast traveling quite a lot. I'm just like, I can't be bothered going past all these. Ships, you know, try to dodge off and might chase me or whatever. It's just like, ah, just fast travel, fast travel, fast travel. Just get me through the game. Mm. That's what I'm finding at the moment. But yeah, that's only two games really I've played this week. That's quite slim by your standards. It is, but I've tried to focus. I'm trying to keep it focused. Complete one game, move on to another. <laughs> I mean, actually, yeah. I've talked. I've com- started playing another game, but I'm not going to talk about that at the moment. Oh, go on. <laughs> now you've piqued my interest. What is no, it? No, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to leave for the next show. Can't okay, tease us like that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to tease. I've got to. I've got to keep it. You know, this isn't EastEnders. That's it. <laughs> keep people interested. Yeah, exactly. Cliffhanger. Find out what he's been playing on the next episode. That's it. <laughs> I've only just started it. It's called Hand of Fate, and it's um, it's an interesting game. I'll tell you about that. That's all. Much. Oh, I'll look forward to hearing about that next week then. Right, on with the news then. Uh, first piece comes from Eurogamer, but it's been reported pretty much everywhere. It was big news over this last week. Uh, PlayStation VR has finally had a price release. Uh, the PlayStation VR headset will be released for £349 or €399 Euros or $399. Do you know how much it's going to cost in Canada, Adam? I think it's $599. Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, we're a bit... The Canadian dollar's worth nothing compared to the US. Ah, fair moment, enough. So I imagine it'll be really expensive yeah, in Australia as well, as everything always is over there. Yeah, similar situation here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they finally announced that at the GDC press conference this year, um, it's going to support positional tracking, uh, low latency, and 360-degree audio. It does not include the PlayStation camera, but the PlayStation camera is required. Um, so if you don't have one already, then you'll have to pick one of those up as well or get one of the bundles they've got planned, which which includes the camera, and I think it includes the move controllers as well uh, with the bundle. But yeah, if you want one of those, that's uh, going to be another £40 or so. It's currently going for £38.08 on Amazon if you want to pick one up, uh, if you can if you can get hold of one, because I know that there's been a lot of stock shortages of the, of the camera since the, the, the announcement of the VR headset. There is a PlayStation VR launch bundle at participating retailers in the USA and Canada only. Exclusively for pre-sale and limited quantities, this bundle will include all the contents of the VR Core bundle, which is the headset, the cables, stereo headphones, and the VR demo disc, plus the, the little breakout box as well, um, which I still don't understand what it does. That's something to do with the TV, isn't it? Or something that will project, is it? 
that was, that's that's a little projector or something that'll project onto your wall or something. I I I don't understand what it does. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think that's what it is, so that you could still, so other people can still watch it. Kind yeah. Of. Uh, okay. Right. It also yeah, this bundle will also include the PlayStation camera, two PlayStation Move controllers, and the PlayStation VR World disc. Um, from what I've seen of that, that looks a little bit like the game that came bundled with uh, the PS4 if you had the camera. Playroom? Playroom, yeah. Looks a little bit like Playroom. Yeah, so the bundle priced at $499, including VR Worlds. This bundle will also be available in Canada for $699.99. So you better yeah. get saving up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you miss out on this wave of pre-orders, then there's going to be another wave in the summer. Uh, the core PS VR bundle, which is a suggested retail price of three hundred ninety-nine US dollars, five hundred forty-nine Canadian dollars, or three hundred fifty pounds and three hundred ninety-nine euros, is not available for pre-order at the moment. ITPro.co.uk have, have released the specs for the the headset. So the headset sports a 5.7-inch 1920x1080 OLED display. OLED, of course, is the same display that they had on the Gen 1 Vitas, which is a lovely screen. Oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, lovely low screen. Since the PSVR uses stereoscopic 3D using two screens with identical images for each eye, this translates into a resolution of around 960 by 1080 per eye. The choice of OLED over LCD means that Sony's VR games will really pop thanks to the increased color saturation and brightness. The head tracking uses the PlayStation camera and Sony claims that it can capture the headset's position up to a thousand times every second. This makes PlayStation VR both incredibly smooth and fantastically accurate. Improvements have also been made to the frame and refresh rates bringing them up to 120 frames per second and 120 hertz, respectively. Uh, this is critical to comfortable VR experiences as it makes the visuals smoother and more immersive with a latency of less than 18 milliseconds. Although the PlayStation 4 is currently incapable of rendering games at such a high frame rate, Sony's chief of PlayStation has stated that a software update will address this. It will also be aided by a small additional unit, roughly the size of a Nintendo Wii, which connects to the PS4 in order to convert the headset's visuals for display on a standard TV at the same time. I'm really, really hoping that somewhere near me, when they come out, they're going to be a display unit because I haven't tried an Oculus Rift, um, I've tried a Vive, and I've got, I really want a PlayStation VR headset, but I've got a horrible feeling that when I try one out, it's going to make me horribly motion sick. So <laughs> I need to try it first so that I don't buy it yeah. and then end up throwing up everywhere. I mean, the, I think Sony have insisted that it can't go below 60 frames per second. Um, any game yeah. because it'll just basically cock up the whole VR experience and that mm-hmm. will probably will make you know like we're talking about frame rate issues earlier and graphics you can't have anything like that on, v, on these VR because it's, it's just going to make people sick and it'll probably destroy VR as a concept I have seen that um not so much with PlayStation VR, but certain games are getting support with headset with with these headsets that weren't built for them. Uh, I think the news broke in the week that uh, Project Cars is getting support for um, Oculus Rift. Yeah, but on the whole, I think that this these these headsets are going to rely on developers making games from the ground up to work with the VR headset rather than trying to tack VR support into to, to existing games. Hmm. That being said, if they decide to add in PlayStation VR support into No Man's Sky, I will be a very happy man. I think there was something, I can't remember the source, but I'm fairly sure in the round I read this, that um, most PS4 titles should be given a cinematic mode, Yeah, um, which can be played on the PSVR headset then. Mm. 
Um, now, what that actually means, I have no idea, but um, at least they're uh, it's helping people who already have the games and what have you there anyway. Yeah. Um, so it will make purchasing mm. that maybe a little step easier because they can still play all those old games on it anyway. Mm. Yeah, because I can't imagine there's going to be a huge number of games when it first comes out. It might be a little bit of a situation like... Uh, when um, PlayStation Move and when Connect uh, first came out, when yeah. there wasn't a huge amount to play on it, and arguably there there never was a huge amount to play on either of those uh, those add-ons at all. I think Sony recognise that. I mean, we've got a new story later on, but if, I mean, they've got loads of games planned anyway, and there's quite a lot of developers working it, so they do recognise its software support. I mean, one thing I was to say about the mm. price. All right, it is the price of another console, but compared to Oculus. Um, the HTC it is competitive. Y- yes, in terms of price, not in terms of performance. No, but then to be, to, to, I mean, there was that those comments from Palmer Lucky recently about the, uh, the the Oculus Rift when asked if it would ever work on a Mac, and he, he quipped about if Apple ever make a good PC, then they'll make a headset <laughs> that works with it. But uh, uh, he he clarified it later on to mean that it, it's more to do with the fact that Apple don't prioritize GPUs in their computers, and you need a pretty beefy mm. graphics card. So. I mean, if if you don't have lots of money to splash around on a on a VR headset, and if you want to get into it, then PlayStation VR is probably going to be by far the cheapest option, mm. um, considering how much an Oculus Rift costs, uh, and then how much a PC that will mm. be able to run an Oculus Rift costs as well. You're looking at well, well over a thousand pounds. Well, probably more than fifteen hundred. Yeah, I mean, have, you, have anyone tried those Google ones or Google Cardboard? Yeah. No, I can't say that I have. I haven't tried uh, Samsung VR either. Tried any? No. no, no. We're all VR virgins then. No. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone ever tried a Virtual Boy? Uh, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't mind trying one of those actually. Although probably it, it, the screen yeah. was all in red, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. So it probably made my eyes hurt pretty quickly. But yeah. So Sony has revealed some extra features of the PlayStation VR, including a virtual camera and the ability to watch VR games on the TV. Also, if you want to walk in and buy a VR headset uh, from a bricks and mortar shop, one of the shops selling it in the UK will be Game. And to pre-order it in store, you can't pre-order it online, uh, you'll need a £100 deposit. Uh, there's more of a commentary on how few places there are to buy games in the high street in general than it is anything else. But apparently the exclusivity deal is only for day one stock which suggests other shops may start selling it sometime after although it's not specifically mentioned in their press release uh, we imagine it mean lots of opportunities to try the heads out for yourself before the october launch although i presume you're going to have to go into a specialist game shop i can't imagine they're going to have demo units set up in your local tesco's or, or wherever uh, be curries and pc world or it be those stars yes. Oh, that's... Anywhere that sells high-end electronics will probably will possibly have demo units up there, but um, Sorry, it's yeah. not something that you're going to be able to pick up from your supermarket. Well, you, you actually, I don't know. You might be able to. They sell they sell consoles as yeah. well, but um, yeah. Tesco's could be a possibility, but I'd love to know where game we're going to actually put the stock in between all their um, toys to oh. life and t-shirts, <laughs> etc. I don't think they have yeah. the floor space for them. No. <laughs> They'll have to squeeze the Nintendo section even more. Yeah, yeah. and the PC section. Yeah, it's getting smaller too. Wait, game has a PC section? Yeah. Oh yeah, have you seen it? You know, it's that one it, gathering dust, gathering dust in the corner. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my local game doesn't even cater to PC games. I think my local one does. I think somebody put up on the um, the Laps Gamer Twitter feed about Pillars um, of Eternity for four ninety nine on PC. Oh wow. An actual case, and um, yeah, no, that I don't think that's dropped down below seven pound even on Steam or um, good old games. 
So yeah, no, that was a bargain. There's bargains to be had in the PC section, but um, yeah, it's trying to find the PC section in game. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, because you know, it won't find any of those in uh, in CEX or anything like that. I think the last time I ever bought a PC game on disc from a bricks and mortar shop was the original Bioshock from Morrison's. Close <laughs> <laughs> to about ten years ago, probably. Yeah. Yeah, getting on for that. Yeah, yeah. And then I got really annoyed when I got home and found out my laptop wouldn't run it. (laughs) (laughs) So the next one's continue with our VR theme on this news show. Is Sony boasts 230 developers working on VR games. Um, The Metro's reporting that Bloodborne developer from software is making a game for Sony's VR headset as are Codemasters, Double Fine and many more. Not only has Sony promised 50 PlayStation VR games before the end of the year, but they're claiming that 230 different developers are working to support the virtual reality headset at some point in the future. The full list includes such revelations as Dark Souls developer From Software, Psychonauts Studio Double Fine and Dirt Rally Maker called Masters. The list also includes publishers which makes it hard to guess who or what might be involved. EA listed for example but not DICE even though we know they work on a version of Battlefront. What's also interesting to note is the developers that aren't mentioned with no sign of any major Activision studios including Bungie. There's also no Bethesda probably because they can't keep up with frame rate, <laughs> Rockstar Games, or Telltale Games. What was announced though was a second game from Until Dawn developer Supermassive, a puzzle game called Tumble VR. Sony also bundled a bunch of tech demos together for something called PlayStation VR Worlds, which we know is part of the American bundle. The fact that From Software are listed in there makes me hopeful that they're going to make a mm. VR version of Steel Battalion <laughs> because um, did anyone ever play the original one on Xbox with that massive controller? Yeah, brief, very briefly played it with all the buttons and everything. Well at it. Because it's rock solid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was insanely difficult. Yeah, it is. Every From Software game is. It was in- insanely difficult, but quite fun. And then uh, I was really hoping that the one that came out on 360 using the Kinect would be good. But it wasn't. <laughs> it, it, it didn't work very well. Uh, the, <laughs> the the Kinect wasn't sensitive enough to, to pick up the movements. And so there were problems like... Um, activating one of the pieces of equipment you needed to use. The button for that was right next to the self-destruct button. (laughs) (laughs) So I ended up on more than one occasion blowing up my walking tank rather than activating the turret or whatever it was I was trying to do. So uh, the idea of of there being, hopefully, a working steel battalion in in PlayStation VR would be nice. Probably ideal because, I mean, and I've heard other people talk about it, but you need, for this VR, you have to be stationary, don't you? So yes, things have yeah. to move around you in the world rather than you moving in the world. So I suppose you in a big mechanical um, robot um, is probably ideal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are uh, th- there have been tech demos of um, uh, the Oculus Rift where people have been able to walk around in a in mm. a large room, but nobody nobody in real life is yeah it's not practical nobody's going to have a giant room that's empty in their house they can devote to just playing vr on so no i can just see myself crashing into sofas tvs tripping over this and that tables (laughs) and destroying my vr headset at the same time yeah so this this is obviously quite a big deal for sony and it's going to be what they're concentrating on this year 
but uh, I mean, Adam, do you know because because you work uh, you work in Xbox news basically? Mm-hmm. Do you know much about what's happening with uh, Hololens? Other than the fact that the dev kit just came out and cost three thousand dollars, uh, <laughs> no, um, it doesn't seem a lot. Um, they seem to be talking up a bit more about the practicalities of using it for other industries as much as gaming. Um, yeah, like the demo reel for Skype showed a woman instructing her husband how to change a plug, um, and he was kind of <laughs> watching it. She was watching him right. do it, and like it was an instructional video kind of thing. So I think they've been looking more at that augmented reality for industries than, and the games they did show off didn't look particularly great. There was a yeah, I'm sh- some of you must have seen the rounds of the uh, young Conker that was doing the rounds, which was Conker's bad fur day, but with a Really ugly. Sorry, picture. Yeah, of it. really ugly art style. Like, <laughs> uh, and it's just a basic platform game with him like jumping around. Mm. So, to be honest, all I've seen was from E3 last year. I think uh, their demo on on the uh, during the Xbox conference where they were showing its functionality with Minecraft. Yep. I think it was Minecraft. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I still don't understand what Hololens is. <sighs> Or, or how it works, or how it's going to be integrated into games. If I'm honest, I think it's just an improvement of the augmented reality you get with your phones, kind of, or with the 3DS or something. Mm. Mm. Yeah. There's not a lot else to it. I wonder if they're going to try... Because this seems to be a big thing now. You've got two big headsets coming out on PC. Sony's got one coming out. Apple have been making noises about them, possibly possibly making their own one as well. Samsung have got a the Gear VR headset. There's the Google Cardboard. Uh, I'd be interesting to see if Microsoft try and get on the bandwagon as well, or whether they just try and do their own thing. Because if VR takes off... They don't really want to be left behind. I suppose they've got a sort of a deal with Oculus, haven't they? They've got some sort of... Doesn't the Oculus come with a Xbox controller? Yes. Or something. But that's only for PC. But you can stream your Xbox One to a Windows 10 machine and play Xbox One games through (laughs) the Oculus Rift that way. Ah, okay, right. (laughs) As if that's not convoluted. <laughs> they are trying. They are pushing very hard at the moment in the direction of of, of PC gaming, uh, and especially the Windows 10. And you know, we talked about recently the the UWP program and the recently announced um, PC uh, cross compatibility gaming between PC and Xbox yep. One and PlayStation Four and whatever else. Probably not Nintendo. Because Nintendo do their own thing, but um, it, yeah, I don't know what they're doing with the Xbox One at the moment. Um, whether they're just given up on on um, trying to catch up with with uh, Sony at all this this generation, I'm not entirely sure what's going on there at the moment. I mean, they've got some very interesting um, exclusive games, but uh, I don't know what they're doing in terms of their hardware. No, um, I guess they announced all this weird. We can you can upgrade your console and stuff and um, mm. moving. It seems to me they're moving a bit more towards Xbox and Windows being a, I guess a platform, a series of platforms that you can play stuff on. I'm trying to move away from the console race, but I think that's just them posturing because they're losing at the moment. Yeah, because um, <laughs> they keep they've been saying for months how. Um, console sales aren't indicative of the console's success. It's like active users and hours they've used it and things <laughs> like that. And it's like, okay, so you're just trying to pretend that 
you don't have any customers, but the ones you do have are more engaged than Sony. Yeah. So I don't know. They haven't even really yeah. properly announced that this live HoloLens thing works with the Xbox properly. So there's not. I. Mm. Is a bit of a mess. It's not a great time to own an Xbox, to be honest. <laughs> to quite well, a lot of uncertainty. We'll see what happens at, at E3. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they've got something up their sleeves. Well, they, I'm hoping yeah. we get surprised at E3 this year. Because I would like to have a reason. I really would like to have a reason to buy an Xbox One. Um, but aside from a, a few exclusive games, there's, there's nothing at the moment that's making me think, yeah, I'm going to drop that cash on on that console. No. And Xbox Live as well. Nope. I mean, you, just, you almost feel like it's for throwing the toys at the pram. Yeah. You haven't, I mean, like last generation, we've been revealing all the figures every, 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 every month, every so. Oh, we've got so many users, so many units sold. Mm. This generation, they've kept it hidden. They've um, constantly said, oh, it's mixed in with the Xbox 360 figures and yeah. so on and so on. <laughs> Sometimes you just feel like Microsoft give up too easily instead of, yeah, I want to change the field instead of, you know. We've got this field here. We've it's a success. The Xbox One is a mm. success. Whatever way you talk about it in terms of the previous generation, the only thing is it's not as much a success as a PS4. Yeah, yeah it's the thing is I'm I'm pretty sure there are now at this point in the generation they've sold more Xbox Ones than Xbox 360s have sold at this point during its lifespan. As far yes. as I'm aware, mm. I think they did say that. Yeah, that's one yeah. of the stats they keep peddling. Um, so, it's the, as a whole, this con- it's, it, like you say, it has been a success. This console generation has taken off w- way more than anyone ever expected. So th- at this point, they're so far behind the PS4. But last generation, the Xbox One was outstripping the PS3 for years and years and years, and then the, th- the PS3 mm. started to catch up a little bit towards the end, um, thanks to some really stellar software. So there's still hope out there. There's still hope that the, the Xbox One could catch up. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll look forward to E3 and see what they announce. Uh, moving on, as reported by Metro, you'll be able to play the HTC Vive VR at various stores. Demos for Valve's virtual reality system of choice are starting in stores today in London, Leeds, Reading, Bolton and Newcastle. Buying a VR headset is much like buying a bottle of wine. You can have a really great experience with the lower priced offerings such as the PlayStation VR, but the good stuff is going to cost you. With its ability to track your whole body as you move, HTC Vive is the most technically advanced VR system to be released this year, but a £689 launch price is also the priciest Uh, but if you want to see what you get for that sort of money uh, various shops are hosting in-store demos right now Um, the HTC Vive will start to be delivered to customers from May the pre-orders are already open now and will be available at these stores you'll be able to try one out at um, Curry's PC World in Leeds uh, Reading and Tottenham Court Road, the Overclockers UK store, and Scan Computers International Limited. Uh, we'll post the addresses for those stores in the in the show notes and uh, on Facebook when this episode goes live. I'm opened up to get to the Leeds one. Yeah, right out. and throw up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm open to get up there. It's not far from me, so I'm going to try and get up there in one evening and just see where it goes, and then I might be able to report back. Yeah, please do because see what my experience. I don't was. live near any of these places, so <laughs> I'm technically in a different country to all of these places. Yeah. Vampire <laughs> uh, Counts are revealed as the fourth playable race for Total Warhammer uh, again in Metro. Sega has revealed the final playable race for the new Warhammer game with the chance to control vampires, zombies, and more. 
Despite its recent delay until May, it's still not that long until Total War Warhammer is released, and so publisher Sega has chosen now to reveal the fourth and final playable race. The vampire counts hail from those forsaken lands of Sylvania, Sylvanian families, uh, not to be confused with the most picturesque home of the Sylvanian families. Uh, but although the vampires are the ones in control of the faction, uh, or in control, the faction encompasses all kinds of undead monstrosities, with their foot soldiers being zombies and skeleton warriors. I looked at this, I looked at the trailer. Um, it's all in game um, engine. So and it looked really good. Um, it's one of those, like I said, I've, I have pre-ordered and the collector's edition, and I'm looking forward to this when I get a PC. Yeah, from one of the trailers, man, have you? It, it does look good, and mm. you know, Sega have a very good sort of franchise there with the Total War series. Um, so yeah, I think it'll probably do well for people who like that type of game. Um, and there will be the crossover there with the people who want uh, the more real-time strategy Warhammer games. It'll be interesting to see how it does. Mm. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we've got three. I think we've got the first game, and we're playing another two. I think we've already got plans for two more. Mm. So, I think a lot of people would like to see a return to the real-time strategy of Warhammer 40,000 as well. Um, mm. Sort of more going back to the original Dawn of War games. Yeah, um, I like Dawn of War 2, um, but I can see where people don't like it because it was um, sort of almost sort of Diablo 3-esque, sort of pointing, clicking, and sort of moving your team around as opposed to necessarily building up a base and amassing an army and going and attacking. So it'll be interesting to see where they do go um, with that Warhammer franchise and the Total War series. Yeah, it'll be good. As reported by GameSeek, PlayStation and Twitter darling Shuhei Yoshida, uh, I said the technical side of PSN Xbox connection is the easiest. According to PlayStation Worldwide Studio, Shuhei Yoshida, actually linking up the PlayStation Network with Microsoft Xbox Live wouldn't be much of a challenge from a technical perspective. Uh, one doesn't have to be an expert in reading between the lines, though, to tell that th- uh, the, through the admission uh, slash assessment, Yoshida didn't actually accept Microsoft's invitation for cl- cross-platform gaming. The PlayStation boss also mentioned that above and beyond technicalities, one would have to look at business and policy issues as well. Uh, last week, Sony announced that they were happy to start talking to companies supporting cross-platform play, and indeed they have been supporting cross-platform play, uh, cross-platform action since 2002. Obviously, though, if they were to make such a major move, they would like to do it on their own terms. As Yoshida pointed it out uh, at the end of the day, unlike connecting console to PC, connecting two close console networks is much more complicated. So it's a potentially doable thing from a technical standpoint. The only thing that could stop the dream being a reality is the business interests of the companies concerned and the overriding fear of not turning a profit from it. Um, I guess another problem would be exclusivity problems as well. Mm. For instance, if you were going to get Destiny running uh, cross play uh, across xbox one and ps4 then there's going to be the issue of certain content uh certain weapons and things like that being uh and certain multiplayer maps and, and whatnot and strikes being playstation exclusives for a year and vice versa with other games like the division is going to be getting all of its dlc first on xbox one and then playstation as is the pattern with a lot of games, so that could cause a little bit of an issue. Another piece of uh, PlayStation news uh, from Kotaku. Sony is currently planning a new version of the PlayStation 4 with increased graphical power and games running at 4K resolution. Uh, We don't know whether current PS4 owners will be able to upgrade or if they'll have to buy an entirely new device to benefit from 
this power boost. But from what we hear, Sony has started briefing developers. Based on conversations with developers who have spoken with Sony, this PS4.5 will include an upgraded GPU, both to support high-end 4K resolution for games and add more processing power that can enhance the games supported by PlayStation VR. The headset Sony will launch this fall. It's unclear if PS4.5 is an official name or just a nickname that developers have been using. One developer jokingly called it the PS4K. A more powerful PS4 would also allow the machine to be more competitive with PCs in the world of virtual reality. With a higher-end GPU, the PS4 could more easily match up against the more expensive Oculus Rift and HTC Vive virtual reality headsets, which are designed to work only with powerful PCs. I'm, I was kind of hoping when I first heard about this story that we were going to have a uh, situation like they used to be with the Sega consoles. Where you'd have the was it the Sega CD? Yeah, the 32x. Was the thing that, yeah. The Sega yeah. CD and the 32x. Yeah, and then if you added them both together, you got the 32x <laughs> CD. Yeah, and this weird <laughs> mushroom lump thing <laughs> sitting yeah. in front of the TV. I just kind of had a vision that they were going to bring out a box that you would have to plug into the back of the PlayStation 4 mm-hmm. to make it more powerful. Or well, whatever. even yeah, even the N64 <laughs> with the extra little memory card as well. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it has and been the little done. Rumble packs. <laughs> <laughs> this is be happening all the time. I mean, look at the 3DS. The 3DS has got um, different specs, haven't they? The new ones don't don't even play. The yeah, there's the mm-hmm. 3DS and the new 3DS. Yeah. And yeah, we talked about last week why. Um, the SNES games are only coming to the new 3DS. Yeah. yeah, but at the moment there is only the SNES games and the remake of Xenoblade, yeah. Xenoblade Chronicles. Yep. Yeah, or Xenoblade Chronicles, however you pronounce it. That, that's the only thing they've got at the moment that's not that wouldn't run on a regular mm. 3DS, I think. Yeah, although I think a lot of people or any of the reviews that have read of it say Hyrule Warriors um, definitely runs an awful lot better on the new 3DS. Ah, okay. Um, with an awful lot of people actually having to turn the 3D effect off on the old 3DS um, mm. just because of the frame rate drops and everything on it. I think the, the total summation of this news is, um, particularly as there's been um, whispers about the upgraded Xbox as well, that mm. if you haven't already jumped on board with one of the PS4 or the Xbox One, to wait until E3, yes. um, potentially, mm. just to wait and see what they are going to do with it. Um, if it is... Uh, sort of a module or an add-on to the consoles itself then that's fair enough but if it is a new device then there's a good possibility that there will be a price drop um, Mm. on the current models as well it's also going to create yeah a slightly weird situation where there might be some games that won't quite run very well in a slightly older device Mm. And again, coming in back into the the new 3ds that you know there will be titles Mm. that might either be exclusive or um, might miss little bits and pieces. Um, I remember back in the day with Perfect Dark on the 64, and I think mm. there was a couple of other ones that you could only play um, a certain amount of the game um, unless you had the extra um, hardware module. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I'll be annoyed if I have to buy a new PlayStation 4, though, just to be able to play new games. But yep. I mean, I remember oh, well. going back to the Specky. used to, I think, Chase HQ, the 48K version, didn't have um, sound music on it. Um, rather one to eight gear did. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I had yeah. similar things with the Amiga as well, the five hundred to the twelve hundred. Mm. So this has always been going on in the yeah. console computer industry. It's nothing new, is it? Really, it's just yeah, but it's not. It's not been something that's really happened mm. f- with the Xbox or the PlayStation. I mean. Sony's had a long history of bringing out redesigned, slimmer versions of their consoles, but they've still been basically the same yeah. hardware. Um, there have been some changes to make them more efficient or run quieter or, or run cooler. Um, same with the 360 as well. Um, but 
they've always been able to run the games. Be interesting. Be interesting. This comes from Eurogamer. It's Telltale's Batman due this summer. Telltale Games' upcoming Batman series will debut this summer. The studio announced at a South by Southwest panel. The developer noted that the series will focus on the Batman Bruce Wayne and not the extended Bat family like Robin, Nightwing, Batgirl and supporting characters like Alfred Pennyworth, Vicky Vale, James Gordon and Rene Montoya, however, were confirmed. Unfortunately, Telltale didn't have much to show as the series is still being written. The studio confirmed that a script for episode 1 has been penned with writer Pierre Chouretti taking the lead on Batman's first season with Nick Herman operating as creative director. It's worth noting that Chouretti and Herman previously worked as leads on Tales from the Borderland and The Wolf Among Us. So Telltale is certainly bringing their A-game to this one. There's plenty of games out there that have explored what it is like to feel to be Batman. I think a Telltale series is going to give you insight into what it's like to be Bruce day to day and see how that affects life as Batman, Shiroti said of the upcoming series. In terms of the Batman to Bruce ratio, Shiroti likened it to the Christopher Nolan Batman films where Bruce is in it just as much as Batman. Players will sometimes get to choose whether they tackle the situation as Bruce or Batman, though you won't be able to play the entire game just as Bruce. Continuity-wise, it will be set in its own Batman universe, so you won't have to neatly fit into the various comic book and film iterations. Telltale noticed, noted that it's going to be M-rated, the US equivalent of Peggy. Look at Batman, while its art will be inspired by the drawings of Jim Lee, Greg Capolo, and Neil Adams. Sadly, no images have been revealed. Shida also promised more advanced tech in the upcoming series, suggesting it would be more visually appealing than the what Telltale Games' engine has previously been able to pump out. It's very much upgraded from what we've seen from Telltale in the past, both graphically and creatively. I think there's a lot of really cool things that we are going into Batman. We're priming a lot of new Telltale stuff. Yet another stumbling block to my dreams <laughs> of there being a, a second season of The Wolf Among Us. Uh, Telltale have got their fingers in so many yeah. pies at the moment. I mean, they've got... Mm-hmm. I'm try and count them off. So, Walking Dead, Tales from the Borderlands... Uh, Minecraft story mode, Batman, Game of Thrones, and did you say they're doing an Avengers one as well? They're doing a Marvel one. They're doing a Marvel. Yeah, the yeah, Marvel, the Marvel one. So that's yeah. seven franchises at least that they're currently, <laughs> you know, they're currently making games for. Yeah, the, I, I don't know. I wish they'd kind of plus an original one as well. Actually, they just said a while ago, didn't they, when they got money from. Mm. Uh, Lionsgate yeah. that they were going to make be making yeah. an original series as well. I wish they'd just, you know, slim it down a little bit and concentrate mm. on the franchises they've got. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does it sound a bit worrying? Yeah. They've, they've sort of scripted it already. It's all written the first episode. But essentially, it's still not done. Mm-hmm. And it's out this summer, which is about three months away. No. Yeah, but that engine's already there. Yes. Yeah. It'll still that janky engine is already there. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say just pass it over to some YouTubers and do it in Lego. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the next um, new story is about Lego Marvel Adventures season pass detailed. Um so Lego Marvel's Adventures is getting a f- cinematic universe full of extras, which publisher Warner Brothers Interactive has now details. So, we've got fun and games, me, Kevin, Stu, to unlock another 60 characters and go through <laughs> another five levels, which are headed to the game over the next few months. 
all of which are wrapped up in the Lego Marvel's Avengers Season Pass. It comes out on the March 29th, which receives the launch of a classic Captain Marvel and classic Ma the Masters of Evil packs, which contain 19 new characters and a level apiece. Characters include Kang the Conqueror, Magnetron, Moonstone, Poundcakes and Tick. Later this spring we've got the classic Black Panther and all new, all different Doctor Strange pack launch. These contain 17 characters and a level each. Look out for Doctor Voodoo, Damanu, Mindless One Warrior and Night Nurse. Even I haven't heard half of these characters. <laughs> you know? These will be followed by a pack centred around the Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show, which is another new level and 13 more characters. Each of the five packs will be available for two fifty or together for seven ninety nine. As a season pass on PC, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, the Xbox 360, the Xbox One and the Wii U. It's five levels. When you consider about the dimensions, it costs you about thirty pounds for a a level. Fair enough with a couple of toys. Yeah, it's not a bad price. No, it's interesting to see that the season pass also applies to the Wii U. Yeah, um, I know. Uh, Lego Batman Three um, didn't have uh, any of the DLC on the Wii U. Did it? Uh, so it's interesting that they've now added that on. So again from the Metro, uh, my Nintendo free reward scheme has been revealed. As Mitomo launches in Japan, Nintendo shows how you can win free credit in their new loyalty scheme and what you can buy with it. Today is a big day for Nintendo, at least in Japan. It's the day that they launched their first smartphone app as part of their long-term deal with mobile giant DNA. Uh, it won't be officially launched in uh, the UK until later this month, but you can download it if you switch regions. I think it's also sideloadable on um, iTunes and Google Play if you can get the APK. It's all been localised as well, so it has. At the same time, the Japanese website for the My Nintendo Rewards program has gone live, revealing exactly how it will work. My Nintendo is the replacement for the recently shuttered Club Nintendo. Um, you can earn gold points for buying games and platinum points for playing them and telling people about them on social media. You can then trade in the points for various free gifts. The list of rewards via Nintendo Everything is only for Japan, so there's no guarantee any of these will be available in the UK. But it's interesting that there don't seem to be any of the physical knickknacks that Club Nintendo used to offer. The app My Nintendo Picross, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, uh, seems to be exclusive to My Nintendo and not available in any other way. So there's some interesting things to aim for. So the list of free games includes My Nintendo Picross, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess for the 3DS, which will be 1,000 platinum points. Super Mario 64 on the Wii U at 120 gold points. Uh, new Super Luigi Wii U for 240 gold points. There's Pikmin DLC on the Wii U. WarioWare Touched on the 3DS. Super Mario Land 2, 6 golden coins on the 3DS. Donkey Kong Country Returns on the Wii U. And Metroid Fusion on the Wii U. And Super Punch-Out on the Wii U as well. There's also a number of discounts um, ranging from 20% to 50% on Mario Kart 8, Dr. Luigi, New Super Mario Bros. 2, Brain Age, Concentration Training. Zelda's Majora's Mask, Ultimate NES Remix, Mario and Donkey Kong Minis on the Move, New Super Mario Brothers, uh, Metroid Other M, and Super Mario Galaxy. There's a couple of Nintendo themes and Mitomo extras, uh, such as a Mario suit and game tickets, are also available using Platinum Points. I can see myself spending quite a lot of time on the Wii U in the coming months then. 
after the uh, with this and the uh, is it Nintendo Selects that we were talking about last week? Yes, uh, the the ones that all drop down to about um, well released at about twenty pounds, but if you search about, you can get them for in the round sort of fifteen sixteen, and depending on where you're shopping. So uh, look forward to future episodes where I'll be talking at length about Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze and uh, <laughs> uh, and Zelda uh, Wind Waker. More Nintendo, like yeah, yeah, more Nintendo. <laughs> um, or from what I can tell, I've follow on Twitter a couple of uh, games journalists, what have you, and they've already tried Miitomo. Mm-hmm. It does seem to be very social based, and it actually has really good connectivity with both Twitter and Facebook. Okay, so actually importing and sending um, contact requests and things like that. So weirdly, Nintendo actually seemed to be on their game this time uh, yeah. with regards to both mobile and how the internet works. Yeah, someone at Nintendo finally works out how the internet works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> More Nintendo news, as reported by NintendoLife.com. You can now download a demo for Pokken Tournament on the Wii on the European Wii U eShop, uh, giving you the chance to sample the title for free. It's quite a chunky download at uh, 1,150 megabytes, but given what I've seen of Pokken Tournament, um, it's not the game I thought it was. I thought it was going to be Tekken with Pokemon, and it's definitely not. So if you were thinking of buying that, then I'd... Uh, I'd uh, recommend uh, trying it out. Um, unfortunately, there is no sign of a similar demo in the North American eShop, so sorry, guys. I had a very quick go at it on Friday night. Uh, the demos list uh, limited the about four Pokemon. Um, overall, it's not too bad, although the fights did seem to end very quickly. Mm. Uh, so that it, even compared to what um, a fight in, say, Tekken would have been. Yeah. Uh, reviews so far seem to be um, positive about it, mm-hmm. um, saying that it's an interesting step. And there might be a little bit more to the game um, other than what's just featured in the demo itself. It's interesting to note that their retail version seems to be about £50 and even on the eShop it's 50 That mm. seems quite expensive for what it is. Um, even with the positive review saying that it's quite a capable little fighter. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how quickly that drops down in price and whether or not it actually makes an appearance at any of the um, sort of big scheduled fighting tournaments and things like that. Mm. Um, it might be played alongside something like Smash Brothers or whatever, but it'll be interesting to see whether or not there's actually a community builds up around it. Mm. And also when they are getting the... I don't know how many Pokemon there are now, but it's, the list didn't it's seem thousands. to be... Yeah, <laughs> the list seemed to be quite limited um, mm. compared to the number of Pokemon that are actually there. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not there will be featured DLC for that uh, in the long term um, to see what there is about adding new characters and things or whether or not it will then be expanded into a bigger game at some stage mm. uh, depending on how well it does. These used to be pretty good with Smash Brothers, weren't they? With all the extended stuff, so I'd imagine they'll bring more. Yeah, there was, yeah, characters were still coming out there until, yeah. what, Bayonetta um, a couple Bayonetta of months ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if there's been any announcements that they're releasing any new characters, but they're, they're still going to be, it hasn't been released yet, but there's going to be a Cloud and Bayonetta Amiibo as well. So um, my growing Amiibo collection will expand even further. I've been running out of shelf space at the moment, but... Yeah, thankfully nobody's quite cottoned on to the Pokemon as toys to life yet. Oh my god, it would be the end <laughs> of happen. me. <laughs> and an awful lot of other people as well. Yeah, I've I've only got one Pokemon uh, Amiibo. I picked up Charizard 
because it was quite cheap and it's got quite a lot of functionality with um with smash brothers and um super mario maker as well but uh yeah i kind of want a pikachu as well (laughs) (laughs) bioshock collection leaked with artwork and this comes from metro again um, there's still no official announcement, but a compilation including Bioshock 1, 2, and Infinite is coming to consoles and PC. Been rumoured for what seems like years now, but despite yet more evidence that Bioshock the collection exists, it still hasn't been announced by publisher 2K Games. Previously, the biggest leak was from South African retailer, but this time it's a Taiwanese age rating board that's behind things. They've included a box art of the game on their website, including what seems like an American age rating logo. Did you guys see the uh, box art? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. It's really nice. Yeah, it's very nice, yeah. isn't it? It's really nice. It kind of has Columbia in the sky and then Rapture down in the sea and then a lighthouse mm. like linking the two, mm. which if you've played the games, it would make sense. Yeah. I've never played the games. I've tried to play the games, but I've always given up. Oh, I've been- Big fan of uh, of all three of them, less so Bioshock Two, um, and I never got round to playing Minerva's Den, um, but mm. you know people say that that's one of the best yep. pieces of DLC that was ever released for a game, apparently. So uh, I should get round to playing it at some point. But Bioshock One, especially, and and Bioshock Infinite, I absolutely loved. So any excuse Same. to play through those again would be, uh, I'd take it up. I was going to say it doesn't mention anything about it being. <clears throat> particularly remastered or anything for consoles and uh, PC because mm. it's no. odd um, that it doesn't have the mm. HD tag stuck on the end of it like every other game. That's true actually. Mm. Yeah. I think that would be a big deal. So it'll, again at the minute it does seem to be sort of very weak news um, but I'm mm. sure as the time gets closer and I would dare say it'll probably be before the end of the year if they're already doing age ratings and things like that um, it'll be interesting to see what the package does include. Um, but there will be um, mm. DLC, particularly for um, Infinite. There was at least sort of three or four pieces of quite big DLC. Yeah, yeah. The um, burial at sea. Yeah. Burial at sea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that, that DLC was was thoroughly enjoyable. Mm. I don't remember there being any DLC for the original. No, I don't think it was. But I think I think that was before DLC became. Yeah, before it became the monstrosity mm-hmm. that it is these days. Damn you, horse ar- armor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's to blame for everything. Yep. <laughs> right. I still have some game codes to give away. Um, I don't think we've had anything on the Twitter feed. Um, so we currently have six games. So feel free to tweet at the LGR podcast Twitter feed. You can have the option of Steel Storm. Legendary, Canyon Capers, Ocean City Racing, Zack Zero, or the Time Gentleman Plays and Been There, Dan That Pack. It's on a first come, first served, so get your tweets in quickly. Thank you very much. Uh, one last reminder uh, next week we will be recording our uh, episode on Grim Fandango Remastered. So uh, if you are planning on playing on, you've got, a f- well, by the time this episode comes out, you'll have a few days to play through it. So you might have to do it in one marathon <laughs> session. You can finish the game in about 12 hours. So if you've got 12 hours to spare and, and nothing better to do, then, uh, then play through it. Uh, if you have been playing through it uh, or, or you've played it in the past and would like to let us know your thoughts, then uh, you can contact us through the, the uh, regular uh, through the regular means. 
Um, and again, we've got the ongoing topic about what your favorite video game openings are. Uh, and then to Tom's email from earlier. Uh, he says, going back to the episode where you talked about some of your favorite intros for setting the scene of a game, I don't think I'd be too far off the mark in putting any of the Bioshocks up there with the rest of the suggestions. I totally agree with that. Um, Bioshock Infinite had an incredible opening. Um, but the big one was the original Bioshock, but I think Bioshock Infinite's one kind of aped the original one a little bit. I don't even remember the opening to Bioshock 2. Um, but yeah, that that first hour or so of uh, original Bioshock was absolutely incredible. The uh, the whole sequence of getting to the lighthouse and then when you're in the in the, the bathosphere as it's descending. And um, yeah, when, when Andrew Ryan is welcoming you, the combination of of his speech and the music and the moment when the the uh, how enormous rapture is is finally revealed to you as you see it spread out across the ocean floor one of the more memorable video game openings that i that i can think of um well we've got you on the show adam have you, have you got any uh, suggestions to a memorable video game opening uh, mine would be ocarina of time yeah that's a good shout so just the navi thing and telling link to wake up yeah just because that first person view as she's swooping around the village is really cool. Mm. Um, kind of showed off the N64's power because it was quite a graphically good game back in its day, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that would be my number one. So yeah, it's an ongoing topic. Uh, it's something that we'll discuss more at length in the future. So if you have any suggestions, and again, you can contact us via the Twitter or Facebook or via email. Yeah, if you'd like to contact us uh, like Tom did, then you can at lapsgamerradio at gmail.com if you've got any uh, thoughts that you'd like us to read out and address. Um, I'd like to thank uh, my good friend Don Johnson, uh, Indiana747 on, on Twitter, who uh, tweeted us to say that he's listened to five episodes back-to-back yesterday. Really impressed with the show. Well done, and thanks for taking the time to do it. And, of course, hearty thanks to, to Adam for, uh, for appearing on the show. It's... Uh, been great to have you here no worries thanks it's been a pleasure thanks for having me guys and yep. i hope to come back someday soon yeah definitely you're, yeah, all, you're always welcome uh and if anyone else wants to appear on the show uh then again you can contact us via email or on the twitter or via our facebook or carrier pigeon however you yeah. want to get in contact oh. with us <laughs> <laughs> smart signals are quite good you know yeah morse code yeah whatever your your form of, of communication you can find uh, podcast episodes to stream or MP3 download at our Podbean, which is lapsgamerradio.podbean.com. Uh, also, please be so kind as to subscribe and review Laps Gamer Radio on iTunes. And you can check out the Lapsed Gamer YouTube channel for additional content. Let us know if you'd like to be on a future episode with us. And uh, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.